have you paid attention at all to Sam Altman's new cryptocurrency? No, I have completely disregarded. I have completely disregarded cryptocurrency since I lost all of the money that I put into it. I no longer yeah. care about cryptocurrency, but please uh, tell me what's going on. <laughs> me too. Me too. The only thing that makes this interesting to me, literally the only thing is that Sam Altman is behind it and projects that he works on just tend to actually be real and actually impact the world. Okay. He has a long history of this, like of actually being, you know, not not having, you know, projects that fail. His cryptocurrency though, it's called WorldCoin. And the little the little detail here that makes that sets it apart from everything else is that it requires you to scan your face and your eyeballs in order to get a hold of this coin. And right now it's like a, a pilot situation cool. where yeah. you go into London or certain locations and you get your your retina scanned and mm. then you get like 25 free of his world coins and mm. his idea is that at some point in the future this will make it so that people who are tapped into this cryptocurrency they're all people they're all human beings and it supposedly is going to be secure and then it will make it so that governments can distribute wealth like a UBI to the populace in kind of a seamless way. That's oh. his pitch. Everyone is freaked out All about right. the, uh, the retina scanning detail about it because it seems like in every sci-fi movie ever, that's, that's the, how step, the dystopian future that's starts. That's one, right. You get your retina scanned, right? Right, So, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, would you, would you get your retina scanned by Sam Altman and his world coin? By Sam Altman, no. Uh, but I've already let my iPhone scan my fucking retina. So what? Like I, like I trust Apple. <laughs> right, right. Like I trust Apple with my privacy. Um, Apple's I, pretty good on privacy so far. I wouldn't trust necessarily that Facebook, we know Elon Musk. He, like yeah. that they that they've been caught for you know, or maybe they are. Maybe they are. Well, I just remember tend. That, to, remember yeah. that case where. Oh man, this is going back years, but there was like some criminal case where the FBI was demanding that Apple unlock this yeah. dude's phone, and they were and like, "Apple nope. was like, sorry, no, we're not going to no. do it," and they just didn't, you know. I did like that, but I also think that there's tools that law enforcement uses that have backdoor entries into Apple phones. I believe that, um, but then I'm just actually, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm just pulling down from articles that I've read potentially on Facebook. So maybe I just, maybe I'll let that sleeping dog lie. <laughs> uh, Sam Altman, no, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I'm, but then again, I'm not like an early adopter. I'm not, and I'm not like a trailblazer. I'm a bit, I'm a bit in the, you know, at least with stuff like this, like I tend to wait to watch other people kind of use it and see what's up with it and get a little bit of legs out of it before I'll jump in on something, which is why I never made money from crypto, to be clear. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I was a very late adopter to crypto. Yeah, so. me too. So uh, short answer, no. But uh, will I regret it? Probably. <laughs> if you had the choice today, would you prefer to go to 23andMe and get your DNA in some log or get your retina scanned by WorldCoin. Oh, if you had interesting. Choice, one or the other. You got to do one. What, what I, would you I gotta do? I got to do one. Uh, I mean, I want to do the 23andMe thing, even though I know that it's sketchy. But I mean, in terms of like a thought experiment, if I wasn't going to already do 23andMe, the retina scan, because it's it's so much less, um, it's so much less complete 
than your than your actual DNA. I feel like you're. I feel like we don't have a full list of capabilities of what you could do with a person's sequenced DNA yet. But we're gonna be alive for a while, and my my guess is that they're gonna be able to do something with that data at some mm-hmm. point, even though they can't now. So yeah, I'll go retina scan over over taking my. But they probably got my DNA on file too, man. Somebody's yeah, got well, it. Yeah, this is, I mean, a couple of points here. Uh, Sagar and Jetty on Breaking Points, he was talking about this. And he was saying that, you know, recently coming into an airport, I think he said it was in Dallas, they just knew who he was without looking at his passport. His face when he just nice. walked up was already scanned and they're like, oh, welcome to Dallas, Mr. Sagar and Jetty, you know? Yeah. And he was like, I didn't sign up for this. Like, how do you, right. how do you? Like what happened here? What exactly happened? Right. And I I don't know. Like I feel like so okay. So Zoltan Isvan and some other futurist types, they are saying that we that our 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 identities are going to be out there whether we like it or not, and I we just so, have yeah. to like live with the fact that it's going to be the story of the next century is going to be about transparency. It's not going to be like. Mm. you know, hiding your little identity from the, the, you know, the government or whomever, like it's going to be about radical yeah. transparency. I sure. don't know. I don't necessarily love that idea, but if that is a possibility, maybe we should start having the discussion of how do you, how do we make that so that it's not terrifying or something? Mm. I, I mean, it's, it's that this ship has already, you know, left the dock Mostly in China, sailed, like, yeah. in, in China, especially like it's, it's, sure. it's ship sailed. It's, gone you know mm-hmm. <laughs> full transparency it's here and it's scary it doesn't necessarily have to be scary in america perhaps maybe i don't know i think it's uh, already i think that there's uh there's an ability in the united states and a desire by the kind of ruling class and i mean that in like a corporate sense not a political sense to keep the american public convinced that it's not as complete as the way that things are in China. I think they're a little more out in the open with it. But if you think about uh, your activity on social media, for example, your preferences, the things that you, you know, I mean, they're tracking everything, eye movement, you know, the amount of times you touch something, uh, how long you stay on something. And what they're doing is they're creating a four-dimensional model of you as a person. And maybe it isn't an avatar. Maybe it doesn't, it's not two-pocket Coachella. Like, it's not going to, like, be able to, like, mimic your behavioral patterns in real physical life. But as a data set, it's so complete by now. Mm-hmm. If you engage with social media and have been over the last 10 years, I mean, just imagine the the depth of data that you could be that could have been collected on you over your preferences, the things that you like on social media over 10 years. I mean, it's not a social credit score, but somebody already kind of uh, has you your at least your behavioral affect p- fully mapped. So it's like. Yeah, Are you can we... go on to, I think it's Facebook, or maybe it's Google, I forget which, and I think it's just Facebook, and you can say, like, you can look up what your political leaning is, and it knows, like, it sure. knows how you vote, which is very fascinating. And I'm sure it knows, if it's giving you access to that information, just imagine how many other kind of extrapolations it could create about your personality that are probably, if not dead on, pretty damn close. So yeah. I think it's funny because in America, we look at the government and we're like, well, at least it's not China. And it's like, give me, you know, give me a little Noam Chomsky uh, that, 
you know, government is but the shadow of, of business. And I think that's like, that is kind of the reality that we're living in. So in, in terms of our political class, are they going to, you know, leverage this stuff against us? Maybe, but probably not. Because we're mm-hmm. a little, because we've got our eyes on them in a in a kind of a fundamental way. Corporations already doing it, brother. Already, already doing it. You know. Yeah. The, the real scary thing is, I mean, I just don't mind if you rob a bank, they're able to track you down because your eyes get seen by the sky, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's like whatever. That's actually maybe good. But it's it's more of like the wrong thing thing of like you yeah. tweet something or you you post a blog and you did a wrong thing. <laughs> and so and so they knock on your door and come and get you. And they already kind of do that in like in England. You know, if you say the mm. wrong thing on the wrong topic in England, they can come <laughs> and knock on your door. I mean, I would rather live in a world where there is zero privacy. It's all radical transparency, but it's it's not a crime to have wrong think, to think bad, naughty thoughts. You know, I don't know, like rather than the world where you do have privacy, but you you can't say the wrong thing or you go to jail. Interesting, interesting dichotomy to draw. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kind of uh, internally writhing with humor over the idea of like a a minority report spoof, but it's like uh, distasteful tweets. They're like they're all gathered around with like fucking laser blasters and ah, you know, the little red ball rolls down and it's like covid disinformation (laughs) he will he's gonna tell his he's gonna tweet that masks were never effective in 15 minutes we've got to get to him (laughs) well you you know one of the most annoying talking points of this past five years is like you know you can't go anywhere online or listen to any podcast ever that's like slightly centrist or right-leaning and you can't go half an hour in, into it without someone saying, um, they didn't let you say this. You couldn't say this. Oh, I and love like, that one. Dude, that's my during favorite COVID, one. And I'm like, you're all saying you it motherfuckers right now. did was say like wrong thing <laughs> shit. And nobody went to jail. Maybe like two people no. got kicked off Twitter. And there's probably for other reasons anyway. So I'm so over people that just that phrase, you're not allowed to say this. It's like, yeah, you are. Yeah, you can say that. And in fact, social media platforms by and large love it when you say that because guess what when you say a wrong thinky ass shit it gets amplified you know every now and then someone gets shadow banned but it's probably for a complex reason or maybe just like someone at that company doesn't like you and it's personal you know but Mm -hmm. the ideas themselves they're totally okay to be to be put out there couple maybe exceptions you can find you know yada 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 but in general all you motherfuckers do myself included is talk about how like COVID this and that, and, you know, the details were complicated and it probably escaped from a lab. And we all know that. And, <laughs> you know, uh, that's my on rant. This, on this podcast, we tell you the things that they don't want you to hear. <laughs> you're not going to anywhere else. We're going to cancel. They're going to, te- they're uh, telling us we can't, but we're going to goddamn do it. I, I mean, okay. Like, Pump real the brakes, talk, Clint. Real talk, like YouTube will downgrade your videos or whatever if you say certain words within the sure. first five minutes i think if you say like fuck within the first five minutes and there are a couple words other f words i can think of fag you know that they will 
you know, and I, I even kind of get it. I kind of get it. And I don't even know fine. if you can spell that one anymore. Know the rules, play the game. And I it's think okay. you might be in. I think you Some might be. Some people are in, sensitive. Also, that's okay. I think you might be in n-word territory when you you spell out the f-word. I think it's I think just it's not that. I think. I think that. I think I think you might just have to say the f word. It's now become so infamous <laughs> that it must only be addressed by its initial letter. God, I, I remember when teachers would say that word. <laughs> yeah, uh, in class, I remember. Oh, that. sure, absolutely. I mean, I've got a story. It was in all the context of don't call each other this, but they would, you know what I mean? They would say the word and stuff like that. Oh, anyway. I wonder- okay. Do you think that do you think that teachers now have to trot that out with with white teens in the N word? <laughs> I would in class absolutely hate to be a teacher. I know that right. you're just I know Timothy. I know that you're just singing along with the song, <laughs> but but you can't say that word in class. <laughs> I wanna I wanna just so we have time. I wanna jump to a couple more topics here. Did Please. you see Did you see Oppenheimer by any chance? No, or Barbie. Seems topical for this podcast. Do you I'm, mind if I'm I get so out of the loop? Not if there's spoilers, although it no is spoilers. historical fiction. I I do know what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of dying to just. I haven't talked to anybody about seeing Oppenheimer. Yeah, you're I've, a fucking nerd. Go ahead and unload, dude. <laughs> no, yeah, so you know, we talk about film on this podcast. We made a we film do. and we, we made out one. the world. So right. I think that like film analysis is part of our our little. You know, it's in our pocket. We're, we're really peers uh, in the filmmaking industry. It's like we're not commenting. We're not critics. We've we've been there. <laughs> we Listen, filmmakers ourselves. Nolan, you know, totally t- we're peers. Exactly. That's exactly how to look at this. So, yeah. so Chris, I'm speaking directly to you now. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, so what was interesting to me about this film? Mm-hmm. One, it was like absolutely everything about it was phenomenal. The acting was phenomenal. Oh. The just go down the list of what makes a good uh, film. Killian phenomenal. Murphy, dude. Oh, yeah, and like generational you talent. You definitely should see it, and we can we can maybe talk more about you know what it means or whatever. But um, one thing that I, that I thought was really fascinating just about how the film was shot and edited. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of of uh, Orson Welles films, and that like the editing mm. was like super crucial that to the final mm. product here. Like okay. the, the editor had, I mean, editors always have a big say in like the final product, but like you know, Orson Welles had a style with the editing. Yeah, this film kind of felt like that, and I haven't heard anybody like talk about this yet. So I'll, this is my little like just quick take on on what I thought about like how the film was made. Um, the film has a couple of different plots and it's to the point where it jumps around from decade to decade. Sometimes it's in black and white. Sometimes it's like okay. deep in the past. All um, right. And every single scene in the film, like rarely does a scene last longer than like 20 or 30 seconds. Not that I had to stopwatch, but every scene is very, very, very short and it's snappy dialogue. And it sure. felt like very fake. It was very, it was very oh. like, None, none of it was like, whoa, we're watching like a documentary here. It, it was more like this is uh, cinematic. You know, it was all very cinematic. Okay. And so, like, you're just jumping from scene to scene to scene to scene. He does this for over three hours, and that's partly what makes it so engaging and so dramatic. And throughout almost the whole entire film, there's this music like dun 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 dun, and like you're always like on the edge of your seat, like oh my god, like oh my god, oh my god. And it's just like people in rooms 
talking, saying semi-mediocre, cliched little things, dude. It's very good. Very, it ends up being very deep, and like the the oh. whole thing itself was fantastic. This is but a fucking was, roller coaster. Did you like the movie or not? <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely. But just like it seemed like this weird thing of like it's doing almost. It was a TikTokified movie a little bit, and uh, that the scenes were so so fucking tight and sure. so short, like unbelievably sure. short. But there's just like a gazillion of them. I, I kind of want to look up the screenplay and to see like you know on the page if there were like five scenes on one page. You know what I mean? It felt like that. It really oh, felt like that. Sure. And so it moves so so quickly. But yeah, yeah very hours, rich though. and very yeah. detailed. And it was a lot about like the like his uh, Oppenheimer's like communism and. Mm how back in the day, if you were at all remotely associated with communism, doesn't matter how brilliant you are, the U.S. government is not going to trust you. Badness, that was yeah. really fascinating, very fascinating. And I don't think that we have much of that today. It's kind of like, believe whatever you want. If you're smart, you're on the you're on the project, um, which I think is progress. Yeah, we're a much less dogmatic society than we used to be, for sure. Especially with, like, social mores, political leanings. <laughs> I think that we've reached a a crescendo of absurdism that has kind of, like, uh, disabused us of a lot of our previously held notions about culture. <laughs> it's like everything's starting to disintegrate a little bit. Religious beliefs, language like conceptual frameworks, everything's becoming a little frayed at the edges. So I think, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of like, oh, well, you're this. It is funny to see people kind of uh, wear the cloak of oppression. There is legitimately oppressed people, but there's also people that are like, ah, so beleaguered, so beleaguered by the by the oppression of like, no one <laughs> like like well, uh, like like an idea in the zeitgeist you know like well, I, so i was having this thought the other day and that i think that most ideologies or political worldviews they're all kind of kind of watered down to the point where they're oh, kind of sure. zombies these days sure. so i mean like one there's almost no communists Especially oh, in America. Yeah. No, like, real no. communists. That one know? failed too many times in a row. Everybody was yeah. like, maybe this is actually, maybe she's not getting back up. <laughs> or to talk to someone who's, who's kind of like a communist, it's just, like, really either trying to be edgy or they're, like, picking and choosing some kind of, yeah. like, you know, whatever. Yep. But then, like, uh, two days ago, I read this piece in The Atlantic about how, like, uh, it was some author who was saying that I have been so not on board with calling Trump a fascist until now. And so I was like, okay, so, so, so what did Trump do that to make Until now. <laughs> and the reason why this author it. was saying was that they, they have uh, not used this term to him is that like a real fascist, they were actually doing kind of genocide. They were actually using the military actively to get their mm. way. They were sure. jailing people who were their political yeah, rivals. Sure. Like, and it, it was a combination of all these things to a very extreme degree. Trump mm -hmm. is kind of just a dipshit who's kind yeah, of an authoritarian. Pretty run of um, the mill. So, I was reading this article and I was like, okay, so what did Trump do exactly? What did Trump do? I'm, I'm like five minutes into this article. I'm starting to scroll. I didn't even see the thing. And so I was like, fuck it. I don't even care. Like Trump's a fascist or not. Who cares? But like, you know, even so Trump isn't going to do a genocide, you know, or, or whatever, like that, whatever is fascist of the early. I don't know. I feel like he was trying to hold it together for the first term, like really trying, like desperately 
desperately trying to hold it together. I think he, in, a, in the very back of his little pea brain, is like brutally self-aware of how stupid he is. But it has like mm. hedged his entire life to avoid culpability for his for his idiocracy. And like, I think I do. I kind of think if he got a second term, he would do because like, you know, when Obama got the second term, we're like, yes, Obama, dude, it's time to smash it, man. Like hit me a dinger over the fence. And Obama was like, no, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it solid. We're going to keep it <laughs> professional. We're going to ride this thing out. And I feel like Trump will be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, he's like, give me the fucking nuclear football, you know, like, I, I feel like he might go, he might go ham in the fourth quarter, dude. <laughs> I, I guess, I, maybe this even was where the article was going again, I don't know, but like, he has, he would never say to like Xi Jinping, hey, watch it with what you're doing with the Uyghurs, or you know what I mean? Like, he, he wouldn't call out genocide no, that someone else no. is doing. One of his, Surely. one of his, buddies who's like a dictator you know he just wouldn't do that so maybe being an apologist for a dictator who's doing a genocide is kind of equivalent maybe that's the case i mean like but but like real talk i would be more worried about vivek ramaswamy who wants to just do away with all of these government institutions and maybe is smart enough and by the book enough to actually kind of sort of make that happen. Whereas Trump really is just an agent of chaos and can't really do anything. So I don't know. I think Trump try as he might, I don't think he could really, I don't know, accomplish much of anything. That's just his track record. Right. Same. I same. I mean, I, that is my felt sense. Like even when Trump became president and I was pretty bummed about it, I was like, my faith in the, in not in democracy, but in bureaucracy is is pretty ironclad at this point mm -hmm. like the american bureaucracy is so deep and so wide and so unbelievably slow moving and like complain about it all you want but it means that you can have someone like trump fully in control for four years and like you know bad things can happen but he's not tearing the whole tent down there's just it, there's too many fucking poles man yeah he was too engaged with his daily drama of like firing his staffers and stuff like that i don't know yeah and but, and didn't have like a mastermind seemed like he was falling apart the entire time where it's like the bush cheney situation like cheney a legitimate political genius caused un incalculable incalculable suffering throughout the world and just you yep. know a short eight years was did it like a consummate fucking hitman and professional Trump just not organized enough to do that much may to, uh, to create that much chaos. I don't, I don't think, I mean, yeah, as much as he would love to. Yeah. Uh, hey, well, while we're talking about politics, yeah, you wanted to talk about Mitch McConnell and the gerontocracy that is ruling our government. Can we talk about how embarrassing it is to be an American? Not just because of Trump, but maybe possibly even more so because of the gerontocracy. Can I say one thing about this? For Launch into it. Okay, yeah. Let Open me get up the pack, dude. <laughs> and then, then I'll pass it over to you. But okay, so for anyone who, who hasn't seen this yet, Mitch McConnell was giving a speech and in the middle of it, he just literally stopped talking. It was like, just staring at the cameras for 15 just seconds, just stared at the cameras that, and dead. And then they, they kind of like took him away and he came back and their first question was, you know, what happened? And he was like, I'm uh, fine. From the <laughs> Jeffrey from the Hollywood star. Uh, what is the name of the alien that is inhabiting your body? <laughs> <laughs> Dude. 
Um, yikes. Can, so, so this, okay, so th that is a problem, right? That's that's, that's a problem. A problem. Uh, it's Mitch McConnell, it's Dianne Feinstein, it's kind of Biden, it's like a lot of people, right? Sure. Okay, that's a problem. My actual legitimate problem with the thing that is our government that annoys me more than the fact that these people exist is how so many people in our government in like legit positions of power totally tolerate this and go along with it. The other day I was listening oh, sure. to a podcast where uh, Pete Buttigieg, who guy every now and then I kind of get on board with every the now and judge. then I'm kind of like, judge it up. kind of okay. <laughs> judge but the river. <laughs> this is the thing that just like turned my stomach about like him and other politicians. He was uh, asked on a podcast, what do you think about Biden and Dianne Feinstein? Do you think that they're too old? I mean, like literally everyone in America thinks this. And so like, what say you? And he just gave this thing. Well, he's really delivering on, on what he's up to. And Dianne Feinstein, she's done such a great yeah. look at her history. And it's like, you know, you know, that's bullshit. And you know, you're sitting, you know, talking with your, with your bros at the bar being like, I can't believe how old these people are. And like I'm the guy also who run ran as the first millennial, and that was my biggest right. reason why I was running was because I'm young and these guys right. are old. I'm the one person who should be able to say these people are too old, but I'm just apologizing for them endlessly because I'm a hack politician. That's what bugs me. That's what bugs me. Over to you. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Thanks for that. I'll pass uh, it off. <laughs> thanks for that warm handoff. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the gerontocracy. A uh, fantastic word to say. Really rolls off the tongue. Uh, the gerontocracy. Uh, oh boy, old Buttigieg. You know how it is. Democrats and Republicans can't be casting aspersions on the leader of their party for whatever reason. I believe that to be a feckless and disgusting approach to having a political opinion. But but what do I know? Um, I man, it's such a bummer. I I feel like. Um, I, I too will one day be an old white man. And I hope that I too I hope that I am universally fucking despised for it, just as I despise all these old white men. Because damn, dude, gotta let go. Gotta let go. Gotta let go. There is a level where wisdom becomes a uh, a contribution of diminishing returns, right? Like you know, yeah, well yeah. dude, like I feel like at 33 now, I'm just now getting access to some wisdom from experience. I can pretty well plot this out to where like in my 70s and 80s, uh, like it's done. You're you're done, man. It's time to let it go. You know, here's an interesting idea. If the if the age of retirement is 64 or 65 or 73 or whatever the fuck it is in this country, like, isn't that probably the age where we should kind of stop letting people be politicians too? Like, uh, it, that's like... <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah. I don't know. That's just off the top of my head thinking, like, that's the age where we're like, you're... You don't... You don't have to work anymore. It's, you know, it's time to just ride it out, you know, enjoy the rest. And I feel like politicians, like, come on, it's a young man's game. Like, we need to we need to be able to shake things up and move things around and have spirited debate around all kinds of stuff that, like, if you were born in the Depression, you're just not going to have a functional relationship to, right? They're like rock stars that are writing. Let me let me ride. Let me ride this one out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like rock stars that got famous writing songs about like 
like uh, colloquial like country stuff and like you know at the bar but they've been rock stars for too long that they uh they don't know how to write those songs anymore all they know is the rock star lifestyle that is mm-hmm. old yep. people like yep. they have a they have a an ideological connection to what's happening right now but functionally they've been removed from the the social and frankly the political system like at a at a ground level for Probably decades. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, to you, Pete. Okay, over <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give. I mean, I will even be a little bit more forgiving than you, mm. and I will say I'm totally down to just take it case by case, mm. okay. and not to say when you're 65 you have to retire. Because you know, if you look at uh, Noam Chomsky, he is still sharp, sharp as a tack. Sure. I, I yeah, would, I would but. He's he's also like a really biased like he's obvi- he's like old guy biased where Absolutely he's like set in his ways or, and, yeah. he's like yeah he's not he's not making any moves anytime soon. No, I mean like, I, even him I think that he's too old. I, but I mean again like I would kind of sort of take it case by case. Uh, Bernie Sanders still seems sharp and Fair. a couple things. But we like if we are going to take it case by case, if we are going to be slightly softer in, in this view, I think that we have to demand more like honesty from the other politicians in the world. Sure. And so right now, th- there's just such a massive push to like hide <laughs> all of this from the public. You know, like when Dianne Feinstein is just walked around it's the Capitol. It's so nuts. It's so nuts. They, she always has someone like right by her side whispering in her ear what to say, that sort of thing, because she has very well-documented dementia. It's and so nuts. She just doesn't know what's going on half the time. So someone has to be here. And, and that, they try to hide that from the public, and that's the point that I just get upset about. Can I, can I, and I, let me just add, let me just toss a little, sprinkle one little piece of salt on this, which is that this has been happening for 70 something years. Like Reagan, yeah. I, I recently was reading something about Reagan where he was in, he was in his first term when he started getting dementia, when he was like noticeably like people around him were like, yo, you can't keep doing this. Like you're not actually capable of being president anymore. And he won the people around him forced him because they wanted to remain the political party in power to become president for a second term Mm -hmm. when he didn't want to, he didn't feel like he was capable of doing it. It's like this, it's a political shell game we're playing. And it's like, we've got to, we've got to turn it off at some point. Right. Like there has to be some mending and there will once these people let go of the reins of power a bit. I think there will be a bit of a mending with the social media generation, with the Internet generation, where it's a little bit more reasonable and commonsensical about the things that we can and can't say. Like these old people, I can't. I can't. Peter. Well, you know how uh, you know how you and I talk about longevity sometimes, and you know I I'm a half-hearted believer in this that maybe we'll, this will kick in in our lifetimes. Do you think that these people who are ultra wealthy and also like super tapped in these these very powerful politicians, do you think that they are talking to their doctors and their doctors are like just hang on for two more years, two more years, and then you're going to get the injection and that will turn back your clock? Do you think there's any of that going on? Any like sci-fi nope. scenarios? Nope. This could be a no. good movie. By the way, my <laughs> could be could be a follow up to our smash hit, uh, our Human Gauntlet. our smash, our multi. I don't know what what do you call it? Uh, well, I can't say it's Oscar nominated, but it should be. Uh, 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 yeah. Um, Oscar snubbed. 
Oscar snubbed. We were Oscar snubbed. I'm sorry. There is no longevity drug coming in, and this is why I think that most I mean, of West, there might be uh, David there, Sinclair, there is there's there's surely some, well i mean look joe rogan and like comedians and shit like get nad drips and like multivitamin drips like when they're on tour yeah. like there is like anti-aging stuff that is that is probably pretty darn effective at this point but like western medicine is so obsessed with pharmaceutical culture and most of what doctors learn in school is related to or you know tangential to pharmaceuticals and yeah. it's like it, unless it's a specialty right but as a general practice like you're doing a lot of prescribing stuff because you don't trust people to exercise and eat well and you have to help them stay alive anyways um yeah i don't know i i don't i i i want to wrap a bow on all this all this stuff and i want to say i want a third party that's not drain the fucking political swamp that's not fucking uh, like human rights or like whatever, all of that stuff, cool. Fine if it makes it in, fine if it doesn't. I want the third party to be an anti-corporate monopoly party, like a fully regulate, like the entire- I mean, that was Bernie, right? That, that was Bernie. That was Bernie, that was Bernie. Yeah. But you can see that the democratic establishment suppress them because they are they're little cucks for the corpse man they're corp cucks and i want to see i want to see a a a i want to see a party form up around heavily regulating corporate structures and their influence the influence that they have on our political superstructure and society because that is some shit that you hear can discussed I, can i push back on this for just like one just like half a second oh just, feel free just because it's on my mind yeah um, dive in uh uh, blinking on his name, but one of those tech guys were just having a conversation about this, about how, like, you know, in general, yeah, regulations, cool or whatever, but this is the big discussion about AI right now. Mm. And all the AI companies, Google and all of them, they, they quote unquote want to be regulated. And mm. so that they can, you know, inform what the regulations are so that then all the other little guys don't even have a chance. And so, you know, sure. like this was Dodd-Frank, the whole thing with the banks. Yeah. They regulated sure. the hell out of the banks, but then it just completely backfired because the banks yeah. like had their little fingers in how those regulations came about. So it was right. Dodd-Frank was supposed to, if I understand this correctly, make it so that small banks could flourish. It killed the small banks and it made it so that like the big banks were even they were already too big to fail, even bigger than that. So be careful with what you wish for with regulations. It's just complicated. And I mean, I agree with that vision wholeheartedly, but you know, I think that I've become more cynical, just, I don't know, paying attention to what's kind of happened with some of these things. The gerontocracy has arrived. In, in 2023, 33, my age is actually old as fuck. And I am now nostalgic <laughs> for the beliefs of political parties of my youth. Like, uh, like support for small businesses and right. yeah. <laughs> like if you could just cherry pick some of the best parts of 90s liberalism and 90s republicanism, we could form a glorious third party, man. <laughs> <laughs> All well, right. A lot, to, a lot to pick up there and maybe next time. But uh, thanks, Devin. Good talks. Uh, cheers. Cheers, Peter. I'll, I'll see you again soon.